Do you want to see divisions disappear? Do you want to have the, the believers around the world, all Christians, to be united as one? I do. Jesus does. And I know you do too. Join praying with Christ and with all believers around this world. Father, may we be one, just as you and the Son are one. This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. May 29, 2022. John 17, 20-26. Issues divide. This world is divided. I know it's sad and I'm sure it's on everyone's mind lately what, what occurred earlier this week with the shooting in Texas. But it brought to mind the issue that so many people are divided over. Gun restrictions or gun rights. Further issues divide. Roe versus Wade. If you know what that means, you know how it's a divisive issue, and rightly so. Or, dare I even mention vaccines, mandates, masks. That will divide people faster than, than you can let out a sneeze or a cough. Issues divide. And with all these things that, that cause division, how is it even possible that there can be unity, real unity found in this world? I'm not just talking about the, the superficial unity where we gather around a particular topic and rally around and behind a particular person. No, real and complete unity. How is that possible? Well, that's what Jesus prays for. As we look in John chapter 17, we see Jesus praying for complete unity among all believers. And today we continue looking at how Jesus gives us, our ascended and living Jesus gives us the victory as we see how Jesus in his prayer shows us that unity marches victorious in diversity. See, Jesus was praying the night before he would suffer and die. Soon after his suffering and death, he would rise again, ascend into glory at the Father's side, but this night he was praying because he knew his disciples would face that same type of animosity that this world saw on display when Cain murdered Abel. He would see the world attacking and hating believers. And so Jesus prayed for their protection. We see in John 17, he prays, Father, protect them by the power of your name. And they would need it because Christians for the first few centuries would be persecuted. Many Christians would have to hide, to flee, or to suffer for the sake of God's name. And so Jesus prayed they'd be protected. But Jesus saw an even greater danger that would be a threat to believers. He prayed regarding unity and the threat of division. That's what we see here in John 17. He says, My prayer is not for them alone, not just for the, the apostles. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Did you catch who Jesus is praying for? He's praying for the people after the apostles. Not just that the, the apostles would be united in their teaching, but that all believers who believe the teaching of the apostles, all of them, maybe one. So Jesus 
is praying for every believer that would come after. He was praying for the Apostle Paul who would have to work together with the council at Jerusalem and the reputed leaders. He was praying for the Corinthian Christians who would later face factions and divisions. Jesus was praying for the believers in the fourth century who gathered at Nicaea to discuss an issue that divided. They weren't facing persecution. They could now worship in peace. They were safe, but not safe from division and the threats of disunity. Jesus was praying for them at Nicaea. Jesus was praying for the reformers as they gathered to discuss what their teaching was and how they would hold on to it in the face of so many divisions. Jesus was praying for the believers today who our church reached around the world, ranging from places like Ukraine to Cameroon to Indonesia to Peru. He was praying for the, the church that you drove by, that Christian congregation you drove by earlier this week. He was praying for you, all of them, Jesus prayed, that they may be one. And don't misunderstand, Jesus isn't praying just for some superficial outward display of oneness. Just because you call one person Papa or leader, or because you consider one person to be your president or spiritual head, that doesn't mean that you are truly united. No, Jesus is praying here that they may be one just as you are in me and I am in you. That all them may be one, he says, just as you, Father, are one with me. The oneness Jesus prays for isn't one that comes from simply pretending you are one on the surface or outwardly pretending to show that you're one. Nor does it come from dismissing parts of God's word as, as some churches will try to do. They'll say we're one because we don't accept any denomination over another and in so doing dismiss the clear confessions of faith and the historical creeds and are not one with other churches and other Christians. No, you cannot simply dismiss God's word to make yourself one, and you cannot dismiss the divisions to make yourself one. What Jesus is prayed for, and what he prayed for here is such a sublime oneness that it reflects a perfect unity. He says that they may be brought to complete unity. He says he wants believers to be one just as he and the Father are one as Christians around the world confess together in the creed, Jesus is one being with the Father. Yes, they are distinct persons within the triune Godhead, but one God. What the Father wills, Jesus wills. What the Father desires and wants, Jesus desires. And what the Father considers wicked and evil, Jesus hates and rejects. Is that the kind of oneness that your congregation enjoys with other churches around you? Hardly. There are differences in teaching which do, of course, divide. They don't all agree on what is good and what is bad, what is right, what is true. Some will dismiss the truth. And even within a Christian congregation, those who are united in teaching, and even at a small congregation like ours, is there really the type of unity that God calls for here? A complete, perfect unity, reflecting the, the love of God the Father and God the Son. 
Even in a small, united congregation or church body, there are still the things that divide. And maybe if it's not teachings, it's other things. Leadership decisions, worship style, or even things that hardly should even matter, like where we're going to put the Christmas tree. What happened? Where is the, the answer to this prayer, the, the oneness that Jesus prays for? I'm sure you've witnessed it, not only the divisions between different branches of Christianity, those divisions which come from false teaching, but you've witnessed it within your own congregation, your own church family, or your own church body, the people you walk together with. Maybe you've experienced the division that comes between yourself and a church leader or a shepherd. Maybe you've experienced the division that can happen and arise between yourself and someone else at your church family over politics, social issues, or some superficial matter. And it doesn't just happen at church. The oneness Jesus prays for is for all Christians in all aspects of life. Christian husbands and wives, are you one flesh with your Christian spouse? and continually at all times reflecting the oneness that should be there. And Christian children, do you love and respect your parents and are one and in harmony with them in the way that God has prayed for and the Son of God has desired? What happened? When this happens, when we experience this division between fellow believers, we need to join with all believers in saying, Father, forgive me for the times that I was not one with my fellow believer. Forgive me for my own selfish pride. Forgive me for my own divisive heart and my stubborn attitude. Because what happened? God did not fail. Jesus' prayer was not unanswered. The Father did not fail to respond to what Jesus asked for. What happened is the same thing that happened when the devil brought that animosity and division between Adam and Eve at the very beginning of time. What happened was the sinful, rebellious heart, with its own pride, would not want to be one with others. And whether it was because of some false teaching or some other matter that could be a disputable matter, some personal preference, the division came. And the oneness that Jesus prayed for was, was ruined, not, not because of God. Don't blame the Father. Don't blame the Son. Look within yourself. But God's prayer was answered. Jesus prayed that they may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. He says, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. We are not lacking anything. We have the power of the gospel and the glory of our God given to us that we may be one. And firstly, so that we might be one, God has made us one with himself. We carry a message of reconciliation that first begins with oneness between us and the Father. God the Father saw the divisive, sinful heart of this world and of each one of us. 
but he desired, and in great love, desired that we be one, just as he and the Son were one. And so, yes, the Son was sent by the Father to bring us to God. Jesus, the righteous Son of God, died for the unrighteous, divisive sinner to bring us to God so that we might be at peace with him and be one. By his death and his sacrifice, he took away all the guilt, all the division, removed all the things that separated us from our God. And we have been brought to be one. We have unity with our God. And so with, with that unity, Jesus prays that the unity may continue between believers, and it will continue, and it will be made complete. Jesus said, Father, as he prayed, I want you to, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Can you picture that? Our risen and ascended Lord, seated on his throne in all of his glory. And one day, someday soon, all the things that divide us, all the things that separate us, false teaching, Divisions and preference and our own pride, all those things will be behind us. We'll be standing before the throne of Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we will behold him in all of his glory with our own eyes. That's what Jesus prayed for. Who's going to hold on to their pride and their division or their false teaching when they're standing before the throne of Christ? Satan's deceit the division of sin, the separation of death, all that will be behind us forever. And that's why Jesus prays now that we have a oneness that reflects what he has given us. He says, I have made you known to them. Jesus has made known to us the Father's great love and the love which is ours forever. He says, I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. Jesus prayed that the love which is ours from the Father and through the Son would be seen in us. And he prayed that so that the love that's seen in us would be seen to the world around us. He prayed so that we would be one, so that those who will believe in me through their message may be one, may they be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. By your knowing the love and living in the love of God, the world will know the Father's and see the Father's love and come to hear the word and believe in the message and so also be one. This is the goal, that just as God has made you one with himself, that oneness is reflected among every believer. You know, it's something that the early reformers strove after. At first, they, they thought maybe they could be one with the Roman papacy. And they found that couldn't happen without compromising the truth. Then they thought maybe they could be one with all the other reformers, and they found that was not possible without compromising the truth. But still, they, they desired to be one. In order that their confession might be clear, they made a clear statement of unity and what they all agreed on, a concord. And they said, this is what we see is a clear teaching of Scripture. And let all those who 
accept and believe this. Come, join and be one. And they gave a clear confession. And God answered that prayer. That oneness is still seen in places like this where we join in one with believers around the world. Our, our body of believers is united with 25 other national church bodies around this world. And we join together praying for oneness with churches in Ukraine, Cameroon, Indonesia, Peru, and everywhere. And we make a love, strive for a love known from the Father that is not our working, but humbly say, Lord, make us one, just as you have brought us to be one. And that love is reflected and seen in the church as believers strive after truth in love. Do you want to see divisions disappear? Do you want to have the, the believers around the world, all Christians, to be united as one? I do. Jesus does. And I know you do too. Join praying with Christ and with all believers around this world. Father, may we be one just as you and the Son are one. And until that oneness is fully realized by the working of our God, we know that God answers that prayer. Jesus answers it from his throne, standing in glory by the Father's side, a glory which one day we will see, and together with all believers we will see how he has made us one.